We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Bellato. Today we're here to break down the Giants' decision to hire Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator. He comes along with a three-year contract, which is actually pretty important when you consider that part of the reason why the Ravens moved on and Wink Martindale moved on as well from the Ravens was contractual issues. He wanted more money, I believe. He felt like he deserved more money. He was a head coach candidate last offseason. People like him a lot. So I think it's big. The Giants said, listen, we don't care. We're the Giants. Again, everybody likes to crap on John Mara. It's the fun thing to do these days. But John Mara spends. There hasn't been one offseason where I've seen where I've or one season where the Giants have been 40, 50 million under the cap. And he spends crazy on these coaches. He brought in a huge staff for Joe Judge. He fired Joe Judge. He fired Shermer. He fired McAdoo. All those times he had to pay the remaining salary on their contracts. Once again, he came out last year, made Patrick Graham one of the highest defensive coordinators in the NFL. Now, I'm sure he just made Wink Martindale one of the highest paid defensive coordinators in the NFL. So I give kudos to John Mara. I know it's been bad lately, and people just want to say, oh, it's the owner's fault. It starts at the top down. I don't think he's been perfect. He screwed up big time on Gettleman. He made a bigger, big, well, worse decision sticking so long with Gettleman. And I think personally, he has these preset mindsets on the quarterback position that can get the Giants in trouble. And I think it's a big reason why he still loves Daniel Jones and feels like the Giants have done Daniel Jones so wrong. Daniel Jones is going to still be so amazing. He has these presets at quarterback. I get it. He has issues as an owner. But listen, he spends on the staffs, and that's all I can ask for in my mind because some co- some owners, look at what Mike Brown does, and I know the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Thank God for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase this year. But listen, and we'll hear a little bit about that later on this show because we're also going to combine this with an interview with former NFL safety and analyst Solomon Wilcox and Dr. Michael Banfi is going to talk a little bit about injuries and the Giants injury situation. And then we're going to wrap that up. But listen, like I said, it could be worse, guys. You have no, like, you could have these owners that just aren't spending. 
on the facilities, on the coaching staffs, on the training staffs, and on the players. And the Giants aren't that. So I'm a little optimistic, especially when they get a coordinator, Nick, who I was excited for. So what are your initial thoughts on the hiring of Wink Martindale? First off, Michael Banfi is the Rams team doctor. So he's just not a, a random doctor. So he's also got an interest in this Super Bowl. It was a great interview. Please check it out towards the end of the episode. And I wasn't shocked that it was Wink Martindale, honestly, because he was the number one option for you and I. And it seemed like it was always trending in the direction of it being Wink Martindale. I'm very excited about it, honestly. I don't know if the defense quite has the personnel yet to to execute the philosophy that Don Wink Martindale really wants to implement. And we know what that is. That is exotic pressures. That is bringing the heat in a lot of different situations and playing man coverage on the back end. I think a Dory Jackson and Aaron Robinson really can fit into that. I think Darnay Holmes could fit into that. But I do believe the defense kind of might need a little bit of tweaking to maximize what Martindale wants to do defensively. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. It's could be a long-term thing that we have to think about because it's not necessarily the, the, the case may not necessarily be that right now the Giants have the personnel to fit this style of defense. I mean, Wink Martindale in three of the last four seasons has been the most blitz-heavy coordinator in the NFL. The only reason he wasn't last year is because he had injuries in the secondary. Otherwise, it would have been the same case. And we talked about this a little bit when we were discussing Brian Flores, the potential head coach candidate. Like, we want to see what it's like. The Giants play a lot of man and blitz. And I like what Solomon said, which you'll which you'll hear later in the show, which is what Wink Martindale does at its core is he makes the quarterback play on his terms, on the court, on the defensive coordinator's terms, on the defense's terms, not on his own terms. He forces the quarterback to adjust. And yeah, you're going to get burned sometimes, especially when you get the injuries. We all saw what Joe Burrow did to the uh, to the Ravens defense late in the season. He torched them 500 plus. It was embarrassing to an extent, but. They had crazy amounts of injuries at that time. I think their top three corners were all out. If that happens to any team that plays man heavy, look, you're going to have those issues. So what my first thought with this, with the hiring of Wink Martindale, is one, what Nick said, which is it could take time. They're going to have to readjust the personnel to fit the system. But two, I'm back on the market, baby, for cornerbacks. Everyone's, oh, the Giants have been drafting all these corners. The Giants are so flush with corners. No, not necessarily. James Bradbury is getting older. His contract is huge. And he doesn't fit the system. So if you take him out of the mix, which is very likely either this season or next one, he will be out of the mix. You have two, one for sure man corner on this team in Adore Jackson. I for sure think he can do really well in the system. A second, maybe, maybe Aaron Robinson. He's shown the instincts. He's shown the natural ability, but doesn't have the consistent sample size whatsoever and may not have the speed to play on the outside. That remains to be determined. And Nick talked about this a little bit. Maybe Darnay Holmes. He did it at UCLA, but like Nick said, he gets grabby at the NFL level. The short arms are going to hurt him anywhere but the slot, basically, is where the only place he can play man, I think. So really, they need man corners again. They Once again, corner is a big need for the Giants based on this system. Because look, everyone's like, oh, Wink Martindale's here. We're going to prioritize pass rushers. I don't know about that. Who the hell did the Ravens have rushing the passer as big-name pass rushers on that defense? Matthew Judon was the biggest one. He's more system fit than anything else. He went from the Ravens to the Patriots system, did well, but that's a similar system. You don't need pass rushers if you're going to be a blitz-heavy team. You need cornerbacks. That's what you need, in my mind. You're going to generate a pass rush by sending more players, so why do you need these elite one-on-one pass rushers? I feel like there's less of a need. Where does your feel on that, on that idea that maybe it's less of a need because of the system? It's 100% more tailored towards having cornerbacks. You need 
the corners who can cover in man on the back end. That's just like, that's a necessity to the system. If anything, we saw that in 2021 when Wink Martindale was getting torched by Joe Burrow and a bunch of other quarterbacks because he kept trying to bring the blitz, but they didn't have the, the horses on the back end to hold up. You just can't do that. Now, I would agree with that in in theory that, yes, you would want to have those cornerbacks, but I don't think you just totally neglect the pass rush. You're bringing five, six-man pressures, Dan. Having a true blue goose pass rusher isn't as important. It's still freaking important. It's still awesome to have, you know, but I would say that it's a little bit less if we're looking at it from that prism. I also think speed at linebacker is a huge I don't want to say luxury because that makes it sound expendable, but a a huge part of the defense as well. We saw them go out and draft Patrick Queen in the first round out of LSU. He was a raw linebacker, but he was insanely fast. And if you watch, and I've gotten through some of Martindale's tape, if you watch what he does, man, you need those linebackers who can disguise and then set themselves up and then can just start. They can just start and just go from like zero to a hundred really, really quick. So those 10 yard splits are going to be important to this system as well. Cause how many times did you see, you know, double a gap mug, either bolt bail or one of them bails and the other one kind of loops around into the B gap while the two technique with the guy directly over the guard that is slants inside to open the B gap while the edge kind of goes out wide. And then you have a wide open B gap with that linebacker kind of slanting in that direction. You need players who can move really fast, really quickly. So I think the Giants are going to have to look at that because who on this roster do they really have that fits that mold? Blake Martinez is, isn't is necessarily that. I think Blake Martinez is invaluable, and I think he would fit in this system, but he's not necessarily one of those types of linebackers. I think you nailed this, Nick. I wasn't even really even – I wasn't on this as much as you just, you know, kind of led me in that direction, led me to the, the pasture, which is they need speed at the second level even more now even more so than they did in this last system. And that's big because they don't have anything at the second level in my mind. I think they've done worse at the second level of this defense than almost any position during the Dave Gettleman era. They completely neglected it. They thought they found, I guess they thought they found something in Tate Crowder. I don't really know why. His 2020 film was not that good. He was just in the right spot at the right time on a couple plays. And then we all saw in 2021 what happens when you put him in a bigger role. He was arguably in my mind, one of the worst players on that defense, if I'm going to be quite honest. And I know a lot of people I've talked to who've watched that film who've said, yeah, he, he's not, he's not ready. And I don't, he's not ready to be playing that amount of snaps. And it's not even a matter of ready. He just shouldn't be playing that amount of snaps. He could still play a decent role as like a, as a reserve player. Like I'd rather have him than a David Mayo type, which they've had to go to in the past, but they need big time players with speed at that second level. And I don't know how they're going to get it. <laughs> That's a, probably a better question. Like you said earlier, Nick, this could be a one. This could be a two-year process to change over this defense. The Giants' defense may be really bad next year. I think that's within the realm of possibility. I don't think that's going to happen because I think the talent level is strong enough that that won't happen. But when you transition so radically from a system standpoint on the defense side of the ball, I mean, look, we all know how much zone and how much cover two, cover three they played with Patrick Graham, and they're not going to be playing that much with Wink Martindale. It's not like he's going to go ahead and just change his system all of a sudden. He believes, as Solomon Wilcott says later in the show, he comes from the Rex, the Rex Ryan coaching tree. And that Ryan coaching tree, not Rex Ryan, it's the Buddy Ryan coaching Buddy tree. Buddy Ryan, yeah. Yeah, and that coaching tree is, their belief is, put pressure on all the time. Dictate terms to the quarterback. Don't play Ben to break, you know? And that, to me, is probably why I'm so excited about this defense, Nick, because although I was very appreciative of some of the things that Patrick Graham did, some of the perfect calls at perfect time, you know, when he would did some of the stuff he did in the red zone against the Chiefs, for example, this year was just phenomenal. But 
ultimately, I'm a believer in not the bend, don't break. And I always have been. I've always been a believer of blitz, 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 <laughs> pressure on. There's still too many horrible quarterbacks in the NFL. There's still too many horrible offensive lines in the NFL. And worst case scenario, you get off the field fast, right? You're not stuck on the field for these long, grueling drives. You get your offense back on the field. So I'm just philosophically speaking is probably what has me most excited about Wink Martindale. Yeah, you're definitely a go big, go home. You know, you're not taking singles. You're taking home runs type of individual. Both sides of the ball. Both sides of the ball, baby. Yeah, so two guys, two players who were on the 2021 roster that intrigued me a little bit with this defense. Now, I don't think either of these players can be relied on, which is kind of a little bit scary. But I think in the right situation, in the right circumstance, they could fill a role as a speedy type of linebacker in those blitz packages. And that is Carter Coughlin and then Jalen Smith. Now, I think both those guys, you don't necessarily, as I said, want to rely on them because they're not complete players right now. I mean, Carter Coughlin just transitioned to linebacker, got hurt earlier in the season and hasn't seen the football field since. Jalen Smith, you don't really want to trust him as a guy who has to read his keys and attack the, the right hole in the optimal time. It's just not necessarily something he's excelled at. But I think in that role, under Wink Martindale, they could serve a purpose. And I think Tay Crowder could as well, but I just think you want to upgrade over players like Tay Crowder. Yeah, you're right. And again, I'm not trying to crap on Tay Crowder. You're right. He can play a role on this defense, but the upgrades are needed. And I think, you know, one player is going to really thrive in this system. There's two players that come to mind. The first is Xavier McKinney, of course, because as we'll talk about with Solomon Wilcox, he showed us all the kind of range he has last year. And more specifically, you know, it's unlimited opportunities. Like he didn't get too many opportunities to play in that single high role with Patrick Graham. But when he did, he made the most of them. I mean, he nearly had another interception later in the year from that position. And he had uh, he had a, at least two that I can remember, three from playing in that role, six total on the year, I believe, or five total on the year. It was for McKinney. And now he's going to get an opportunity to do that a whole lot because that's what Wink Martindale wants to do. And he needs someone to play that deep half role. And McKinney is that guy to do it. He has that kind of range and he's just scratching the surface. So I think he's going to be such an awesome, easy cookie cutter system fit. And the other one for me that comes to mind is Aziz Ojolari, because you think of all of those pass rushers who have excelled with the Ravens or the Patriots in that similar type of system. But let's just say the Ravens, because that's even more Rex Ryan, Buddy Ryan, um, you know, Wink Martindale style of attacking Matthew Judon, for example. He's nothing that special, you know? He's not some kind of special one-on-one pass rusher. And ultimately, I'm not so sure Aziz Ojolari is that either, but I still don't think that means you can't be an excellent pass rusher within a specific system. And this is the type of system that I think can bring out the best in Ojolari. So I think he could be in for a really big-time second-year breakout. I think Dexter Lawrence, too. And I don't want to sell Matthew Judon short, man. That dude's a heavy-handed power rusher who is very smart as well. But I think you're talking more along the lines of, like, those twitched-up, really athletic type of pass rushers that everybody is looking for. I think Dexter Lawrence, man, you ever hear of the defensive holding penalty? Like, you get you hear the defensive holding yeah. call on a secondary, and you're like, what the heck was that? Wink Martindale employs a lot of that, okay? He's going to have his guys, like I said before, he's going to have his guys slant inside and try to grab that guard to not allow that guard back into the B gap and try to suck him into the A gap and take him with him. And that's going to open up a free rusher coming from another direction. I call it the Justin Smith move because the 
great defensive player from the 49ers, Justin Smith, used to do this all the time to free up sacks for Alden Smith and Vic Fangio's defense. I think Dexter Lawrence can thrive in that role. I think Dexter Lawrence can also play the nose, the one tech, whenever they're in the odd front. I think he can do that. It's not something that he necessarily did a lot with the New York Giants because that was more Dalvin Tomlinson's role, despite the fact that Tomlinson was like 25, 30 pounds less than Dexter Lawrence. But Tomlinson did it very, very well. But I think Dexter Lawrence has that ability as well. So he's a young player. The Giants have to make a decision on his fifth-year option. I'm hoping they pick that up. I know a lot of people, or at least I've seen on the timeline, people are like, ah, now nah, let him go. Me personally, I, I think Dexter Lawrence is underrated. And I think somebody with his unique movement ability at that size with the anchoring ability could also be somebody who could be maximized in this system. Yeah, I, I'd be an interesting, interesting one to talk about at some point where we're at with that. I probably lean toward where you're at, even though I'm not a huge believer in Lawrence per se. I do think they don't really have any kind of, I don't want them using the resources they'll need to find someone like him anytime soon. So I'd rather have him on the roster with that fifth year option than a lot of these guys that are getting older, the Logan Ryans, the Blake Martinez, and even the Bradbury's of the world, because at least Lawrence is younger with less tread on his tire. And like you said, someone's going to need to fill that role <laughs> for the Wink Martindale defense. And he's a good candidate to do it. And that's, I know, I mean, when I think of it like that, I do kind of wonder like, if it's just, if, I mean, not if it's just that role, but that role to me seems like almost like a role player role, like something you can find cheaper potentially. Yeah. That's just one aspect to all the things right. that he can provide the defense. And obviously, yeah. we would be remiss if we didn't mention Leonard Williams either. But I mean, I think that goes without saying in terms of what he can do on, I think, any defense because he's one of the more versatile type of players up front in the National Football League. Yeah, exactly. Without a doubt. And so it's not like the only thing he can do. So I'm definitely intrigued by that. And while I did say at the beginning of the podcast, I'm curious to get your take on this, Nick, that it, it could take a two year. This could be a two year transition. The Giants defense could take a massive step back just because they're so radically changing what they want to do philosophically. I don't necessarily think it's as radical as what they did when they went from um, where they were at before James Betcher to that offseason with James Betcher, because they went from just a purely for years the Giants had been just a simply put even front team they had four defensive linemen all the time and those three linebackers and they played and they had thumpers they were a big thumper type linebacker and for a while they believed they were like one of the last teams in the NFL to get rid of that middle linebacker who's like 245 and can't move the Mike Barrows and the Reggie yeah. Thorberg of the world years they hung on to that and they and when they made that transition that was to me way more radical in this specific transition, because although Wink Martindale and Patrick Graham don't run similar systems, some of these players are similarly like Aziz Ojolari is in a similar, like he fits both systems, right? The Graham says, and a lot of the second level guys, a like Carter Coughlin fits both systems, right? Leonard Williams can fit any system. He's not a good example, but a lot of those front seven guys in my mind fit this, or fit this system or that system. They're, they're not, the systems are not that far apart. And that's also a credit to the past regime and Patrick Graham for requesting and wanting players who could execute a variety of roles because he was a very multifaceted type of defensive coordinator that didn't pigeonhole himself into one ideal system. He ran a lot of different concepts that couldn't be considered 3-4 or 4-3. He had tight front. He sometimes would align with no defensive lineman. So I think that's another reason why you can kind of take some of these pieces and plug it into wink system and be like, okay, this can still work. Yeah, no doubt about it. Exactly. All right. Anything else on the wink Martindale hire before we get to this interview with Solomon Wilcots and Michael Bamfy? First, I kind of want to, so I got bored one night 
And when Wink Martindale, Vic Fangio, and Mike Zimmer were were possibly interviewing and becoming the next Giants defensive coordinators, I just kind of took a look at all three of them and and came up with a description that if they weren't football coaches, what do they look like they would be doing? So do you <laughs> want to hear those? Yeah, go for it, Nick. Let's 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 hear them. Okay. Don Wink Martindale looks like a Bass Pro Shop worker who specializes specifically in fishing hooks. <laughs> I could see that one. I could definitely see that one. I'm but looking he, at him now. And I'm trying to come up with something. Uh, <laughs> don't don't ask him about you know the hunting gear or anything. Yeah. Like he's just he's very very specific. He knows everything about it. Those fishing hooks. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay, what what about Fangio? Yes, Vic Fangio looks like a part owner of a Brooklyn pizzeria who rarely <laughs> delegates and murmurs obscenities under his breath as he unnecessarily <laughs> does 80% of the work. That's a hunt. That one's your best one. I don't think you're going to be able to top that. I can totally see that with Vic Fangio, the murmuring under his breath. He's angry. It reminds me of, do you see the curb episode where Larry is picking up a, um, a pizza and a, and a, and a, think a uh, calzone and he takes extra napkins and the guy's yeah. like, what are you doing? <laughs> we watched that one together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't remember that, but yeah, it's just an excellent, like, don't, don't take extra napkins. What are you doing? Is it, that's Vic Fangio yeah. right there. Uh, you know, making sure the guy doesn't take extra napkins. Exactly. Okay. I like the Mike Zimmer one too. So Mike Zimmer looks like a confident college professor who saunters around the room, lecturing with no PowerPoint while rarely looking directly at the class. <laughs> I like that too. Yeah. That's a good one for Zimmer. The Zimmer, my man, like this dude, have you heard about Zimmer off the field? He's, Yo, like he's a wild man, wildly banging like 30 year old, mo like 25 <laughs> to 30 year old models from Instagram, just running through them. Like what the hell? Mike, Zimmer? you know, Adam, you know, Adam Levitan, he does a bunch of DFS stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He talks about Mike Zimmer and the sex model and all that stuff <laughs> and how it, uh, how it could increase his winning percentage or could decrease it. Cause he might be more distracted. Anyways, that guy is one of the more hilarious people in the industry. It's, it's an awkward type of humor that just, I love so much. So please check him out. All right, guys, let's transition. Now we'll do the interview with Salman and Michael. Now what's going on, everyone. Football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find giants tickets anymore because tick pick that's T I C K P I C K is the original no fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then Please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. We're lucky today to be joined on Radio Row from the Super Bowl by former NFL player, analyst, and broadcaster Solomon Wilcox and Dr. Michael Bamby. And let's first throw it to you guys. Introduce yourselves. Talk a little bit about the Macy Cartledge repair uh, that you guys are doing over there and anything else you wanted to shout out right now. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm Dr. Michael Bamby. I'm at the uh, Curl and Joe Clinic here in Los Angeles, and we're uh, one of the team physicians for the Los Angeles Rams as well. And part of my practice, um, not just with professional athletes, but also with the, uh, the Weekend Warrior, is cartilage restoration. And that's really where, where Macy fits in. Macy is a technique that we use to, to fill in damaged potholes on cartilage within the knee. So when somebody you know has an injury in their knee and they have swelling, frequently that's secondary to cartilage damage. The cartilage is a smooth, glossy layer that covers the bone. And we need that to have a, a normal articulation or, or movement within the knee and so if there's damage there some people get locking catching swelling and with macy i can actually grow their own cartilage using their own cells and then implant that back into the knee so it's a it's a fantastic technology that, that we utilized really for the last 20 25 years but in its current form within the last five years is that why cam Akers is a superhuman <laughs> well cam, cam didn't have a knee issue I know, I know. He, he did have a very good surgeon perform his surgery. And he also is just a, a fantastic healer and has a really good work ethic. Yeah, coming back off the Achilles that fast was previously unheard of. Used to be an injury that sapped people's careers. And now we're seeing, you know, not just Cam. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders at an advanced age came back from it, too. That was kind of the big surprising one. But, you know, the Giants are no, no, they, they, they've gotten injuries. They are actually, by one study, the most injured team this season since 2009. So I have a question for you first. Dr. Michael Bampi, and I want to know, there was some discussion of former head coach, uh, former Giants head coach Joe Judge overworking the players. Um, there were some reports coming out of the locker room that they felt like things were getting overworked, that they were getting overworked. Do you think that this plays any role in this, in the kind of the slew of injuries the Giants faced and how they were kind of the most injured team since 2009 by some studies? So what do you think goes into that? And, and Giants fans have kind of been wondering, how can they get out of that hole of being one of the most injured teams? Well, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of theories based upon injuries and, you know, overuse and, and, and overworking, overtraining certainly is one of those. There, there is a, a team in the league that uh, has, you know, credited their low injury risk secondary not doing back squats. And, you know, that certainly, you know, does play a role. But I think there certainly is a, a part of luck to this as well. You know, I, I'm really fortunate to work with a great athletic training staff that, um, you know, really focuses on, on work management. There's a lot of technology out there nowadays that will, you know, look to the workload that the, the player has. Also, with regard to assessments on return to play after somebody has been injured, that's really important, too. Because if you get somebody that, say, has a hamstring strain back too soon just because they, they want to play, then they can certainly make that injury worse. So I think that, um, you know, 
really the, the way to, to manage these injuries is, is really to utilize the technology that we have to ensure that they, they're not overworked and that um, they're, they're safe to go back to play. Appreciate that. And Solomon, I want to talk a little bit with you about the Bengals and about obviously what they've done this season to get to where they are. And I want to talk a little bit about Bengals DC Lou Anaramu. And I'm, I'm hoping I pronounce that right. I've been known in the past to mispronounce names and I apologize, but he's done a hell of a job with that defense was formerly on the Giants staff, even got a head coach interview this cycle. I was specifically interested in hearing your thoughts on some of the things he's done schematically that has caught your attention. And even going into a little bit of like the halftime adjustments, what he did to completely derail that Chiefs offense in the second half of the championship game, things of that nature. Is he a rising star in your mind in the coaching ranks? Hey, Dan, thank you. First of all, um, what a thank you for having us. I also want to tell you that the work that Dr. Banfield is doing is incredible uh, work, not just for um, NFL athletes, but weekend warriors as well. Guys who like myself want to go out and play a little pickup basketball. If I want to continue to do that, <laughs> all we can do is go to Macy.com. That's www.macy.com. You can find a doctor in your area um, that can perform the treatment. But to your question, no, the Cincinnati Bengals, I know we look a lot at what Joe Burrow has done on the offensive side of the ball and the way that this offense operates with some talented wide receivers, Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield. Obviously, Jamar Chase has been phenomenal in his rookie season. But Lou Anaromo, as you probably know him, came to the Cincinnati Bengals from the Giants. Remember, they made a trade. They sent Billy Price to the New York Giants just before week one, and we hijacked you for uh, B.J. Hill. Oh, we remember. <laughs> Trust me. Trust we us. remember. Yeah, I remember talking to David Deal about it, and I told David, I said, we got the better end of that deal before they ever <laughs> even started playing um, because, you know, we knew what Billy Price was, and it just didn't work out for us, and we've been very happy. When I say we, I'm saying the Cincinnati Bengals have been very happy uh, with what B.J. Hill has done. He brought uh, depth to the defensive line and obviously a rotation with Larry Ogan, Joby, and D.J. Reader, um, and obviously that defensive line has been phenomenal. You saw the play that B.J. Hill made in the FC Championship game with that interception off of Patrick Mahomes. It changed the game. Now, remember, he had played for Lou Anaromo previously, and Lou has been phenomenal. I mean, people saw the defensive game plan that he used in the second half against Patrick Mahomes and the Chief only gave up three points in the second half of that game, but it was the same things that he had did going back to week 17 um, when they played the Chiefs and won that game. They limited the Chiefs offense to only three points in the second half of the game. So, uh, Anna Romo has done a wonderful job coordinating this defense all season long, making wonderful second half adjustments when it comes to their pressures on the quarterback and the coverages on the back end. In the second half, one of the adjustments they made, they were kind of doing like a quasi drop eight type of thing while also keeping one of those players as a kind of a quarterback spy to ensure that Patrick Mahomes couldn't do his his miracles, I guess you could say, outside of the pocket. So they kept him contained with that three-man rush with Trey Hendrickson and all those guys I have up front, B.J. Hill. But you touched on B.J. Hill, and honestly, Solomon, it, it kills us all, to be honest, because we were big B.J. <laughs> Hill fans. The podcast, the listeners, they were big B.J. Hill fans. Do you think that B.J. Hill is going to be retained now as a Cincinnati Bengal going forward? Oh, there's no doubt. You know, he's going to play significant minutes in the Super Bowl, right? Um, because Larry Ogunjobi is out for the season. And he, the more that B.J. Hill has played, the more he's been able to contribute. 
And it does start up front with the Cincinnati Bengals. I know a lot of eyes are going to be on the L.A. Rams defensive line, and rightfully so. You know, Vaughn Miller's a former Super Bowl MVP himself. And, uh, you know, Aaron Donald, that guy is a game wrecker, three-time defensive player of the year. And Leonard Floyd's very good coming off the edge. But the Cincinnati Bengals and Trey Hedrickson, Sam Hubbard, B.J. Hill, D.J. Reader, these guys are pretty good, formidable group themselves as a front four. And you're right, the way that Lou Anaromo uses that defense, you know, and they only would rush three, they would bring Sam Hubbard late as a delayed blitzer. This guy was a former defensive back in high school, went to Ohio State, converted into a defensive end. But he can track uh, quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, as well as any defender in the National Football League. And so I think the way that they use the talent up front on that defensive line will be tailored to obviously stopping Matthew Stafford, who's a different kind of quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Stafford's not going to be a threat with his legs as much as he will be with his arms. So it'll be interesting to see what Lou Anaromo does in terms of how they go about trying to limit Matthew Stafford's impact on the game. And I was hoping to talk to you a little bit about a big-time decision the Bengals made that I think has ma- has served a, a massive role in this run to the Super Bowl, and that was the decision to draft Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. And this was a big decision because this is basically, and, and I know it's important to Giants fans because we're facing a similar decision. We've been facing similar decisions for a while now. It's the idea of drafting inside out, building out the offensive line before getting the skill players or the outside-in approach. And the Giants have actually failed to do the opposite, the outside-in approach. But the Bengals are an example of a team that has gone that route, and it's been successful. Now, I think part of it is the fact that they threw 10,000 balls together at LSU. Part of it is the fact that that rapport was there going into it, and that Jamar Chase was just a surefire lock top three prospect in that class. But having said that, the Bengals are a team that went from one of the worst teams in football just two years ago to the Super Bowl, and they not and they haven't necessarily gone with that inside-out approach of building out the offensive line before anything else. So I wanted to get your take on the idea that you know it you can still you can win with this outside-in approach. And a player like Jamar Chase has had a bigger impact. Has he had a bigger impact than you think an offensive lineman may have had on this team right now? Well, clearly he's had um, a wonderful impact. When he was drafted, he said he was going to break records. He's done exactly that. <laughs> you know, he's set a new single-game receiving yards record for a rookie. And he had 266 receiving yards against the Kansas City Chiefs in week 17. He set a single-season receiving yards record, over 1,300 yards receiving on the course of the season. Um, he's created big plays in the passing game. And I think because... You know, he had this history, right, this chemistry with Joe Burrow. We see it having, I think, paying off uh, larger dividends sooner rather than later. Um, You talk to most of the people who are the architects of this game, they'll tell you that um, touchdowns follow blocking, okay? And if you don't take care of the offensive line, uh, the offensive line won't take care of your quarterback. And if your quarterback is is injured or healthy, you're going to lose a lot of games. Cincinnati Bengals, they, I, I know they consider themselves to be fortunate because we saw what happened with Joe Burrow one year ago, right? Um, and he was lost after 10 games. And this year, despite having the highest completion percentage, right, the highest yards per pass attempt to which Jamar Chase factors in that, he's still the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, okay? Getting sacked nine times in a single game, it's untenable. They know it, right? 
So they consider themselves fortunate to be here. Remember Andrew Luck, he was drafted in 2017, probably played one-fourth of the career we expected him to because early in his career, he was hit, hurried, and harassed at a very high volume. And that guy's a bigger, stronger cat, right, than, than say, a Joe Burrow. But so the accumulative effect, the cumulative impact here is not yet to be seen. And so as we sit here today, the Bengals still have that problem. Yeah, they hit the home run by taking the receiver. But I, I would really shy away from saying it sets a precedent, right, for what other teams should do moving forward. Jamar Chase became an impact receiver like no one could have predicted, but yet the problem still exists. Their quarterback was sacked more than any other quarterback in the league this year. And think about how excellent of a point that as I'm talking to the listeners right now that Solomon just made, because think about the Giants in 2014 when they landed Odell Beckham Jr. Similar type of impact, but the long term, think about the, the long term cumulative effect is so important here. It has to be factored in because three years later, the Giants were in the playoffs, but went into the 2017 season with nothing at the offensive tackle position and nothing on the interior and everything collapsed from there. So that's an excellent point, the cumulative impact of it. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. Yes, and Solomon, before we get you out of here, I want to ask you a quick question on the Giants' new defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale. I know you covered the Cincinnati Bengals, so you're quite familiar with the Baltimore Ravens' defense. What should Giant fans expect of Mr. Wink Martindale? Um, there's never a bad time to blitz the opposing quarterback, <laughs> right? No one loves hitting the quarterback more than, say, Coach Martindale. And now, you should understand, like, he comes from the that Buddy Ryan tree, right? Buddy Ryan, Rex, um, and Rob Ryan, who are good friends of mine. So I love the Ryan boys. Um, this is uh, the member of the late, great Jimmy Johnson when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Coach Martindale is a phenomenal coach, first of all. Um, I do believe, remember, uh, they were playing with a defense. He was without his two starting cornerbacks in Baltimore last year. He had lost a lot of players Due to injury, I think the Ravens had more players on the injury reserve list than any other team in the league. But I do know that Joe Burrow shredded them in the first contest for over 400 yards. And then Coach Martindale started saying to the local press, oh, put a gold jacket on him. Of course I'm going <laughs> to still blitz the guy. Well, in the second game, he did blitz him. And Joe Burrow put over 500 yards passing on <laughs> him. I think for Coach Harbaugh, that was a little bit too much. And um, so you have a you have a defensive coordinator that really does understand defense. Um, he's going to make the quarterback, the opposing quarterback, play on his terms. Now you have to go out and get the pieces that can execute and function within that offense. Uh, but I thought Coach Martindale did a wonderful job in Baltimore. Again, lost a lot of good players due to injury, and though uh, and so far they had a, a really bad year in 2021. But had they been healthy. They would have played much better. I actually had a follow-up for you on that, on Wink specifically and the system. So three of the four, three of the past four years, he's been the most blitz-heavy coordinator in the NFL. The only one he wasn't, which was the sixth most blitz-heavy, was last year because of the injuries. So we know that's coming. We know he's going to run cover zero sometimes, more than pretty much any coordinator in the NFL. In your mind, in that type of system, a blitz-heavy man coverage system, is it more important to have corners who can who can hold up an outside coverage or pass rushers in your mind in that specific system? I can only hear half the question is getting kind of loud in here. 
but when you talk about blitz coverage or blitzing uh, opposing quarterbacks, sort of that risk-reward kind of style of play on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Coach Martindale uh, did what most coaches would do. Whenever you have a rookie or second-year quarterback, a younger quarterback, man, you got to throw the kitchen sink at them. Make them prove that they're ready to play in a grown man's league, as we would say, right? Um, it, just, uh, it just so happens this guy by the name of Joe Burrow, he is the real deal. This guy is ahead of the class from the neck up. He's phenomenal. Remember, he played in a pro-style offense at LSU. He was already functioning in an offense that allowed him to slide the blitz protection, understand which way coverages are rotating. And so, um, but he was being tested by the Ravens defense. And remember, if you go back to last year, during his rookie campaign, the Ravens ravaged Joe Pearl. Patrick Queen will tell you, he played with They took him apart. And so I can see why Coach Martindale went down that road. But if you're not playing with Marcus Peters, if you're not playing with Marlon Humphreys, it's going to make it real tough and difficult to do those same things you did to Joe Burrow. So um, I think the Giants got to go out and get him the talent he needs on defense to play that style of yeah, I think you 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 heard the question a little different, but you answered it in your own way there, Solomon. Because I was kind of trying to see what's more of a priority in that style of defense: the outside corners who can cover or the pass rushers. And I think you said it best: when those corners get hurt, and you don't have the corners who can hold up in man. You need that, and that puts a priority on it for sure. And I think There's you made no a great point about Burrow, by the way, because I saw an adjustment he made against the Titans in that first playoff game, where he saw, based on the pre-snap look, he didn't think it didn't look like he was going to get a cover two coverage. He got it post-snap. He saw it, he knew it, he adjusted to it, and he hit uh he I think he hit Higgins on the on the deep end or the quick dig. And it was just like boom, this guy processed that faster than I've seen quarterbacks who've been playing this league for 10 years. So you're right, he has that it factor for sure. Nick, do you want one more before we let them get out of here? And thank you guys so much for your time. Mr. Wilcox, I was just gonna ask you a certain question about the Giants personnel. Have you watched any Xavier McKinney? And do you believe he can be a true single high? type of safety on the back end to kind of monitor the cover one looks that have a lot of pressure that Wink Martindale typically runs. Xavier McKinney's a phenomenal player. I mean, that's a, you know, Nick, it's a good question, but I think it's an easy one to answer because absolutely. Uh, the guy's got tremendous range, right? Um, to go sideline to sideline. I think he's an aggressive enough player in terms of being a really good sound tackler against the run. But he's a guy that reads coverages very well, communicates very well to get people lined up. He's always been a playmaker. You know, I hate the fact that he was injured, you know, during his rookie campaign and we got a chance to see him play last year. And I think we're only scratching the surface in terms of what kind of player Xavier McKinney can be. I, I think he's going to be an all-pro in our league before it's all said and done. I think the guy is going to uh, give you some really good Sundays um, watching him play football. I think he could be – one of the best safeties in our league. He's got that kind of talent. Wow. You heard it first from Solomon Wilcutts. Thank you guys so much for your time today. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. All right. That was a pretty damn good interview. I mean, I know it was tough for them to hear on their end. It's really loud in Radio Row. But there were a couple things that I wanted to expand upon. Obviously, McKinney will get to. But one thing that was interesting to me was the debate of Chase versus Sewell the draft pick for the Bengals. A lot of people are like claiming it as a big win 
for wide receiver, for going skill position over building out the interior, building out the offensive line with an inside out approach in the draft first. And I think what he said, which is really interesting, throws a little bit of cold water on it because yes, in year one, things could look different than they do in year three in year two in year four of that decision because of the cumulative effect of not having an offensive line and all these sacks that the quarterback is taking can have, or the cumulative effect of skill players getting injured at a higher rate than these offensive linemen and building up these injuries that, that keep them out for games and sometimes seasons. It's if it's a really bad injury. So I thought that was really interesting. The cumulative effect of going with that outside in approach of, you know, taking the big time wide receiver over the big time lineman. Yeah. We live in the now and it's very hard to go against that selection right now. And I mean, you made it to a Super Bowl. You're an AFC champion. That's, you know, an invaluable experience. It's not something that a lot of quarterbacks are able to achieve, but attrition is a real thing. And I felt like that was a very balanced take from Solomon because he's right. I mean, we're not going to know what's going to happen in three, four years if they never replace the right side of that offensive line and make it, I would say, adequate because <laughs> it's poor to marginal. And it's wild that they're even in the Super Bowl at this point. But Joe Burrow, he's he's different. He's a different cat. He really is. He really does have ice completely running through his body, ice in his veins. The confidence is infectious. And the Jamar Chase pick, I mean, it's hard to ever argue against. I think it's the right selection. But, you know, in three years, if if he goes down the path of Andrew Luck, as Solomon kind of brought up, it could be a different conversation at that point. Exactly. And that's part of that cumulative effect that he's referring to is like the Andrew Luck is a great example of that. What happened to him? They didn't build him an offensive line for years and his body broke down from all of the injuries he was taking, all the hits he was taking. So just the thought, I mean, you'll never have that problem if you build yourself a good offensive line or you shouldn't have that problem. And so I'm still I'm still I'm still sticking with my inside out approach, Nick. What about uh, what he said about Xavier McKinney? I mean, he was speaking profusely. Like, I mean, wow. I was really excited hearing Solomon Wilcox. He got me fired up about McKinney's future, about all pro. He thinks he could be one of the best safeties in the game. I mean, I think you and I probably shared that opinion even before we talked to Mr. Wilcox, but I wanted to get his opinion. He used to be a safety in the National Football League, played defensive back at, for the Cincinnati Bengals, also bounced around the league there a little bit before getting into the media. He knows what he's talking about. And when you watch Xavier McKinney, man, especially at the back half of this season, he showed all of those traits that Solomon was talking about, the range, the vision, the discipline, the intelligence, the smarts. Because we talked about McKinney a little bit in the beginning of the year. I felt like he was probably a reason for a couple blown coverages. Some of them the Giants didn't actually pay. For the blown coverage, a lot of them, I think one was missed. Another one was an overthrow. Another one was a straight drop against the Saints, I think that was. I think that was on Xavier McKinney. But he didn't have those mishaps down the stretch of the year. Remember, McKinney, as he brought up, he got hurt in his rookie season. So he didn't have all of those reps underneath his belt. He came back later in the year. Now he comes back and he's kind of mastered the position now that he's about a year in, has a year under his belt. And I couldn't be more interested and excited to see him in Wink Martindale's system because he's going to be playing so much single high and he's had to show so much range in those situations. He has to be very disciplined. He can't be too manipulated by the quarterback. He has to understand route combinations. And I think all of those things are well within the reach of what something Xavier McKinney can execute. And he's already kind of shown it at the professional level. So I think the sky is the limit for this kid. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see McKinney in this defense. It's going to be super exciting. And I'm sure he'll be a part of both of our bowl predictions this offseason. All right, everyone, thanks again for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. As always, if you want to help us, there's only one way we'll ever ask you to do it. It's make sure you download every episode. Don't hit play. Download. We don't, we don't get paid for play. We get paid for download. And the other thing is leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars. 
ask us anything you want. It takes a while for iTunes to update them weirdly, but when they do, we get them and there's questions and we'll answer those questions if you drop them in. So make sure to do that as well. All right. Have a great rest of your day and week and we'll talk to you soon.